0: Stomping Jen.
1: Sawtooth Frank.
0: How you doing? I'm okay. We're here again. (laughs) Here again. Doing it again.
1: Here again.
0: Yeah, we have a returning guest on the show this week. Oh, do we? Yes, it is our friend, Scott Graves, who is founder of SM Graves Associates, and also the host of the Are We Here Yet podcast, which is part of his larger M the Media project. Now, do I need to remind you, we appeared on this podcast. Oh, yeah. We were interviewed.
1: We were interviewed, and then we interviewed, and it was a joint interview. Yeah,
0: it was a lot of fun. So, Scott is here to talk to us about a new program he has. It's called Business Triage. He's doing this in partnership with um, a company I know you know about, Stomping Jen, Valley Venture Mentors. Mm -hmm. I don't even know what that is, so I'm going to ask. Sure. um, And, uh, but this program, Business Triage, is designed to assist businesses in getting uh, beyond the ongoing impacts of the COVID 19 pandemic. Do you remember COVID 19? No. Well, I do. (laughs) And I think a lot of small businesses and medium sized businesses and even large businesses remember. I was joking. I thought you were serious. Yeah. The way you're walking around out there, sticking your naked face around everywhere. All righty. I thought you forgot about the pandemic. But we're going to talk to Scott about what he and Business Triage and his partners are doing to try to help businesses. Sounds great. Okay? They need help. They For, do serious. Need help. For, For, For serious help. For serious. All right. You ready? Yep. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> serve podcast creamy delicious ideas without the creepy truck stomping jen we're
1: doing away with that
0: you want me to do away with it no more singing i will then gently fade out the sound of our ice cream truck and we will gently say hello to scott graves hello scott Good evening, Sawtooth
2: and Stomping Jen. It's such a pleasure. <laughs> this is so good to be here with you guys this evening. Come
0: on. It's good to see you again. <laughs> I, yeah. I I mentioned you're a returning guest. So mm-hmm. you are you're now in that rarefied air. So we did
2: the COVID show, right? Oh God!
0: Yeah, it was a long time ago. We did do that. That was
2: dark times.
0: I Mm. have to say, (laughs) it was. And I think you were in the early (laughs) round of people that we started interviewing when the pandemic hit. You know, just as a way to like figure out what the hell we could do with this thing. Yeah. Because everything went sideways, right? Yeah. No, that's right. It
2: was just a couple of weeks, or maybe not even two weeks after we we had to close up we had just started a business incubator in central mass and found out right at the moment where we're about to really secure a huge amount of public funding. And we found out, well, you might be able to still get this money, but here's the thing, the entire state's shutting down. So oh you God. guys are going to
0: have to close up. <laughs> oh my God. At, wah, mm-hmm. oh. There we are. I mean, oh, I can't, I can't even imagine Being on the cusp of doing a project like that, and then, you know, this thing we can't foresee comes along and it shuts everything down. That must have been, what was that like? That must have been devastating.
2: Yeah, like so many other folks. Well, it, 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 for us, it wasn't devastating because there were still things. We just went into like a plan B mode for a plan B that we didn't readily have. But, you know, it was a nonprofit organization. So I had the support of a board and I had other mentors, other I had staff, you know, we all just sort of in a matter of days said, well, there's still things we can do. So here's what we can do. We're not going to worry about the things we can't. Um, so, you know, unlike, especially what these days we're calling micro business, right? So for the sole proprietors that are literally, you know, me, myself and I, mm-hmm. we weren't that lonely. So I think, I think there's to some extent there's an added challenge when your organization is really just you. And then suddenly you realize, wow, you know, I, I really have to have a plan B. If but pro- it was, you know, it's still, you know, it's frustrating.
0: Is that part of being an entrepreneur and a business leader? You know, if you, you know, always having a plan B or if you don't have a plan B, being able to develop one quickly when something like a pandemic comes uh, careening into you?
2: Everyone's going to have a different opinion on this. I will tell you, like most things in life, you know, it's it's the everything in moderation. So obsessing over very specific inorganic plans Uh, stops you from being able to enjoy yourself and also just take advantage of um, take advantage of maybe opportunities that come up that you didn't anticipate at the same time never having any sort of plan on how to move forward is is not good for very different reasons as well so you know uh It's good. There are certain industries, I guess. I'm trying to think one off the top of my head. High-risk industries. I think, more importantly, you should have some kind of a plan B at all times because it's high risk.
0: Yeah. I don't think I have a plan B, Stomping Jen, for anything.
2: (laughs) Podcasts. What do you do with this podcast? What happens if the mic blows up? I I don't know.
0: There's no plan B. It's over. (laughs) For
2: the podcast?
0: Yeah. It all goes in the trash. Um, <laughs> Sorry. All right. Um, Scott, tell us a little bit about your company, SM Graves Associates. It's been a while since we've talked, and I think people probably could use a refresher on what it is your company does. Tell us a bit, little bit about that.
2: For I've had my consultancy for about 15 years, and for the vast majority of that time, it was a catch-all. And what I mean by that is I had other businesses I owned, uh, or other, you know, I think when I started it, I was still teaching. Uh, and um, so I would get the opportunity to do projects. People would say, well, you know, I'd, I'd like you to help me with my business plan, you know, cause I'm doing something in a similar industry. Could you help? So when I had these things come up, I would simply place that under SM Graves Associates, right? And at the time there was no associates. So, you know, speaking of sole proprietorships, that was basically me. And I, it was just project to project here and there. And then uh, about five years ago, I started to get more heavily into I owned a music merchandising company then, but I started fairly regularly getting calls to do um, various kinds of strategic planning projects uh, in that industry and outside that industry and really started to ramp up the consultancy. And that was good. We started then to work on different types of programming. To, uh, for people that want to start a business incubator of some kind a co-working space, right? So in other words, helping them not just have cheap space, which is pretty meaningless, but you know, what kind of programming, what kind of resources can they bring to the table so that their tenants or businesses that would work in the incubator would be able to gain uh, some help in various ways that were that were appropriate for that specific location. And then that was a good thing because two things happened. Uh, we were just talking about that pandemic time. One was we had to change things up at the last incubator I founded and, and was running at the time. And then I had to liquidate my music merchandising company because it's you know really focused on the band and orchestra world in schools. And as you know, during COVID for a long period of time, Nobody was taking music lessons in person. Right. And they also, for the first time in like 60 years, there was no real uh, band rental instrument season Mm. for a whole year. And we had just moved to a new location. We were buying a new building. And suddenly we were going to get no rentals for that first big season and so that was pretty much the end of we. it was called smash music so we started calling it smashed
0: music. oh no <laughs> right? oh,
2: yeah that's the risk you take when you pick a name like that really
0: yeah I mean but <laughs> what a way to find some humor in a terrible situation
2: <laughs> well you know I mean if you're gonna do entrepreneurship and you take, you're, gonna, you're gonna take it seriously that means that repeatedly I mean most people that are have some kind of long-term success or remarkable success that other people start talking about. That's usually their, what, I mean, Jen, Jen, you could probably Mm -hmm. say to the third, fourth, fifth business, something like that. Usually have to fail a few times before you, you hit it, you know?
0: I mean, when I fail, I want to go sit in the corner, um, slouch down, draw my knees in and cry. Like, how do you, how do you move on? Like, how do you move on from that? Those
1: are entrepreneurs.
0: Right, I'm not an entrepreneur, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Are you? No, but like, so Scott, like that. I mean, (laughs) I know, I know you love music. I know, like, that was something that's passionate um, for you. I mean, and and I know there there were circumstances beyond our control. So how do you move? How do you move forward from that without just like I said, just like go walking into the corner and just sliding down (laughs) the wall and crying. Yeah, that's a great
2: question. Yeah, <laughs> Well, actually, I did that first. I went in the corner and was like. <laughs> but after that was done, yeah. it, it, it's, it's about fundamentals, right? So um, years of, of being on stage, for one, everybody's got a different way that they come to these experiences, but you know, years of being on stage and being in different parts of the country around people you don't know, um, you learn how to sort of recover quickly, right, because people paid to see you do your thing tonight. And they don't care that, you know, things aren't good at home or, you know, you're having an off night or you got the sniffles or whatever. Right. So you you have to pivot. Right. Mm-hmm. And applying that, but just generally having um, a good attitude. Uh, and um, it's not about denying that bad things aren't happening to you, I think, but that you have to put that all into perspective and no matter how bad it gets, You know, just one thing happens at a time and you take a deep breath and then you start problem solving, which, by the way, is part of that is also knowing when, you know what, we have given our absolute everything to this and it is time to not pivot, but to make a transition. That's the polite way of saying, move on to the next big idea. (laughs) And that could be difficult for people too to really recognize. You know, like when do I hang up the towel? Mm. For us, it was made a lot easier by the fact that we were losing a building, uh, financing, a business, yeah, <laughs> and our entire marketplace all within ten days.
0: <laughs> wow yeah I mean I think I, I don't know, maybe it's the entertainment industry, but we're so used to seeing the the wild successes of entrepreneurship, right and we often I mean maybe don't get all the stories about how hard it is right to get there, how many times you have to like you said, know when to hang up the towel or transition to something new or pivot like i don't I don't think I think we often don't see the the whole path that an entrepreneur walks, you know. Yeah, I agree with you. It, it, it here's the thing: if our education system
2: were to do everything right for teaching people entrepreneurship, the idea that you come up with a concept or you take somebody else's concept and you turn that into some kind of financial model that can be sustained over some longer period of time, right? Even if we did that, probably I, I don't know what the percentage is, but you know, eighty or ninety percent of Doing it, you actually have to go out and interact with other human beings. So that adds these layers of complication, right? And risk, because you really don't know. You could have the greatest concept with a well laid uh, financial model, right? With a strategic plan for the business that is based on other successful plans. But if you cannot get the marketplace in some meaningful number of people, to say, oh yeah, I can see how that can change you know my life or that's going to change my business if I buy that thing from you. you know, there's so many variables. You you can't, the, the only way to learn that stuff is to go out and do it, mm-hmm. right? Right. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah.
2: And even then, you know, and so you kind of say, oh, that didn't work. And then you, but if you're dedicated to being a business owner, then you say, well, now I'm going to figure something else out. What, right. what can I continue to do that was right how am I going to fix the things that didn't go so right? And, and then, you know,
0: and that's not intuitive. Like you said, that's stuff that we need to teach people, and people need to learn. And that's kind of where um, SM Graves Associates comes in, and where your expertise can come in and helping people, and and especially businesses like right now who might be struggling after the pandemic. And so that that kind of gets us to. Um, this new program you have um, business triage. Um, So can you tell us a little bit about that program?
2: Sure. So we um, we just actually finished uh, the first more or less about 18 months with some seed funding that we received from a state agency. And, and this came out of the, the, um, the aforementioned business incubator, right? Um, The technology, uh, collaborative was interested in hey you know w- w- you know the 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 leadership wants covid help and maybe even if you can create something with your your people that um, that could that could be a problem solving program beyond covid see what you can do so we just finished that period it was fairly successful uh, in which we we worked with businesses um consultants will commonly
0: use the term you know turnaround right
2: mm-hmm. uh, and that's what we we did more or less uh, it's a fairly selective program
0: what is turnaround mm-hmm. what does turnaround mean i'm no. not totally. i'm not a business person so i don't i literally don't <laughs> even know what that means
2: literally he's turning,
0: turning around, around ladies and
2: gentlemen right now he's standing <laughs> up and he's turning around like turning. So, like
1: if you like get to the brink of like financial disaster how do you turn that around so that you're profitable right like how do you, you
0: okay go. is that what it means
1: yeah. yes that's literally okay.
0: what it means
2: yeah. And so, and so that's right. See, so good thing you have the two of
0: us. (laughs) I'd be lost without stomping Jen here.
2: uh, So the, it's not by industry and it's not by size, right? So like we'll, we'll help small businesses. We'll help larger employers. The point was not by size or by a specific industry, but To look, um, there's a fairly in-depth intake process. It usually takes several sessions and and there's any number of our staff on each of those sessions. And we try to look and basically, if a business in every other way um, would be a real going concern, were it not for COVID or were it not for the emergencies, right, that are hitting it, um, and they have value to their community, and there's a variety of different ways we measure that too, then, um, then they make a good candidate and then they come in and we, we basically devise a project, right? So these are, these are businesses that, you know, they're in a position where they just can't afford to have this team of people come in, whether it's a marketing project or a business development project or a leadership training project. Uh, and, you know, when you're doing a lot of this kind of intensive um, mentorship, and, and providing other deliverables over, say, a two, three-month period. I mean, there's a lot of labor that happens very quickly. With the point being this end result is it, it, they're supposed to get back to a point at which we're fairly confident that they're going to be able to turn the revenue situation around. Okay. And then we start to prove that out. And then the project is over after we feel like they're in the right place to, to be able to do that. And so that's, that's what we look for. We look for companies... That um, that it there's, of course, there's never any guarantee, but their their strategic plan, their financial model speaks to, hey, you know, this would be a really great going concern. And it was for a long period of time. But sometimes businesses, especially in times like like with covid, they they might have three or four minor emergencies that hit them in like a month or three weeks yeah. Um, and and it multiplies, right? The problem multiplies, and then they get to a point where they can't really afford the traditional way of trying to turn things around and hire expensive consultants and blah, 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 blah. So then we can come in. And micro businesses, by the way, they can't do that anyways.
0: Right. And so um this could be for this could be for any, right. This is not industry specific, right? Like if so let's say I I'm a owner of a dog kennel or something and I'm struggling, right? Because of the effects of COVID um, or I own a donut shop or whatever, like it could be, it could literally be any kind of business, right? Who could reach yeah, out I'll, for assistance. Yeah.
2: I'll give you the examples in this first round of businesses <clears throat> we helped right now. The, and by the way, this is a statewide program. So, so um, and in a moment, we can talk about what the connection here to Valley Venture Mentors and to the Valley, Uh, which is why we're here, but um, we've helped several uh, businesses that are uh, different types of food restaurants of various kinds. We've helped a right now we've got a project um, that involves a bed and breakfast that is in one of the oldest houses in North America And that's a two-tiered project. Uh, that's kind of an interesting one. Maybe maybe in a moment we can talk about some of the more details of that one. Um, we've taken a look at uh, larger uh, different types of manufacturing businesses, chemical companies, other types of technology companies. We helped a Springfield-based nonprofit, which is providing um, a variety of resources for small, particularly small and micro business and has a database of all forty-four thousand businesses in the four western counties of the Commonwealth. So you know a wide range. It, it it's literally not about well, it's a it's a target industry or a target size of a company or whatever. But it's it's um, it's 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 intensive mentorship and and real nuts and bolts, um, you know, turnaround help for businesses that are providing something useful to the community and that already have a lot of good bones, right? They already have a good strategic plan and they've all been doing fairly well. In this case, it was COVID, right? That just, you know, decimated them in a way that was unexpected.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. There's, um, a local donut shop out here in Amherst, Massachusetts. I said donut shop for a reason, because I was thinking about that company. They closed down, and one of the things they cited was the increase um, in the cost of raw materials to make donuts, like the the increase in flour, sugar, like all of the supply chain. Mm-hmm. And they couldn't, yeah. they couldn't. You know, people don't want to pay five or six dollars for a donut, seven dollars for a donut. So they just decided they couldn't continue um and that was a valley that was a pioneer valley business and it was like sad to see them go um scott you mentioned you're doing this um in partnership with valley venture mentors who are in springfield massachusetts and that there is a um a pioneer valley connection to this so talk to us a little bit more about that
2: yeah so we wanted to intentionally work uh through the entirety of the Commonwealth and not have geography limit, you know, people being involved. Uh, and so, and we also needed a fiscal sponsor. So, so, um, because we are ourselves not a nonprofit organization. So we partnered up with Valley Venture Mentors, which they themselves have gone through some pretty drastic changes due to COVID, um, uh, but still exist and they're down on bridge street. And, uh, and so we worked with them Uh, and, um, and as the program expands, we do plan on continuing it, uh, through another round of funding and we're looking for similar relationships in different parts of the state. Um, but a relationship like that, where you have an influx of entrepreneurs that are regularly attending, whether it be events or they, you know, they, there's other programming within Valley Venture Mentors, including ours that takes place there in Springfield. Um, the other thing is, is there's there's just a number of other reasons why I find particularly Springfield and that, that part of the Pioneer Valley interesting. The other probably two-thirds of the work that uh, we do through my consultancy is in real estate development uh, and real estate investment, and particularly in a real community-centric kind of uh, real estate investment. And so cities like Springfield that have such a... Uh, challenge in the residential marketplace uh, for a variety of reasons and are a former, you know, major manufacturing center that's trying to redefine itself that that also is additionally very interesting to us and also plays a close. So it has a close relationship to um, to the kind of mentorship that we do. There's two very important things there, right? We need vibrant businesses to be sustained uh, and we also need um, real estate to be utilized in a way in a community that it helps to build wealth for both the businesses and then the people who live in that community.
0: Yeah, I mean, what I saw, I was um, looking at your Instagram um, earlier in the week, and I saw, I saw you would link to something or posted about these corporations. Uh, some of them are. Um, I want to be careful here. Some of them are online real estate companies um, that you go to, to look at the value of a house, right? I don't want to say the names. I think we all know what those companies are, but for a while, and some of them might still be doing it. They go into areas and they buy up residential um, property, right? Hundreds um, of them, yeah. And the they, they, they buy hundreds of them. They pay cash for them, right? Because they, they're cash rich, you know, Um, multi-million dollar, some of them billion dollar companies, they go in, um, buy up all of these residential properties, inflate the prices, and then they sell them off, right? And, you know, they drive um, people out of being able to purchase affordable homes. And like, so Scott, you were talking about, you know, real estate, you know, at least traditionally had been a way for, average people, you know, like us to build a little bit of wealth, right. And have a little bit of financial security, but these fucking corporations are like turning the whole game on its head. And I, well, the and it,
2: latest, yeah, the latest version of that is, which is even more frightening is they'll, that they're, they're holding onto the properties long-term. Um, and most of this is being driven by wall street money. And so the point is to buy up neighborhoods and rent them, uh, you know, for a profit. And the, you know, the issue here is, is that individual homeowners can't compete with that kind of a, you know, cash buyer uh, issue. You know what I mean? Uh, And that, why is that? Well, that's due to the fact that in the United States, you, your house has to appraise in order for you to, you know, get financing to buy it. This is an issue too, if you're in a city like Buffalo or Springfield, Springfield's a great example of this, right? Because the reality is we really don't have a housing shortage in this country, we have an imbalance in our economy that makes it so that like basically everybody is trying to live close to their jobs and that's in, you know, 20 cities. So, you know, you've got a city like Springfield with I don't know how many number, hundreds of abandoned homes or underutilized homes, Utica, New York. I mean, the list can go on and on and on. Every state has this, right? But if you try to buy one of those houses cheap to fix it up, you can't get the financing to do that. And not everybody has the cash, right? And uh, and certainly not at the level that some of these companies do go in there. We, by the way, uh, you know, we've created an independent investment cooperative. And uh, and yes, we have, you know, uh, uh, accredited and non-accredited investors, you know, put money into the fund and we buy uh, we buy properties, but we're not um, we're not doing it in a way that is what I would consider predatory. In other words, I'm not buying up large tracts of properties and then renting them uh, at a, at inflated prices to people, or you know, really concentrating on flips. Or we we do mostly uh, village style um, development or redevelopment of mixed use buildings, uh, and really work to create um, create wealth by creating better streets. Yeah. Right. In other words, you know, we're a place where people can live and work and that's relatively dense. So it's walkable, it's bikeable. And, uh, and in, in that way, people that own in a place like that, they can live and work there and they can build a business there. They're building wealth long-term and they're doing it through their business, but they're also doing it through the real estate that they own.
0: Yeah. I mean, so you're, you're, um, your real estate venture which is called epic real estate investments llc um, business yeah. triage these things are these are things are focused on helping people um, why aren't you out there i mean we all we had a guest on recently who said you know we all need sandwiches to eat etc cetera, etc cetera, but why aren't why aren't you out there trying to shake people down why are you trying to help people scott <laughs> This seems like a novel idea to me. To try to to try to be in business to help people.
2: Sawtooth, are you asking me, dude, why are you such a chump? <laughs> like, this uh, isn't predatory. You're supposed to like cheat people and stuff. It's a better way to go. It's um well,
0: because
2: you know, because it's because that sucks. It doesn't feel good. I mean, really, I mean, there's no exotic, I have no exotic or, uh, I don't have a great prophetic thing to say, you know, in response Mm -hmm. to that, it just doesn't, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't interest me. Um, uh, like most entrepreneurs myself, I've had plenty of, of, um, you know, uh, hits I've had to take, you know, because of people I got involved with, it turned out to be less than, uh, honest or scrupulous. And so like, yeah, I like, why, um, and the other, the other thing, if you want a practical reason is despite what people might think um, cheating the system or um, what I generally refer to as predatory business models, none of them are sustainable, right? So the, you just described that, you know, this, this, this mentality of going out and buying these vast tracts of, of, uh, housing and stuff that's not sustainable, right? it's not it's and in fact right now it's coming to an end uh the the with because of the the specific uh way that this inflation at least how we're predicting it uh at our fund uh, investment fund the, the data we've collected over the next 24 months um this is coming crashing down in a big way and it's really going to focus and hurt the residential market and uh in a bigger way than the last three recessions of the last 40 years it's it's uh, because each one, to varying degrees, has done this this same thing. Um, we're we're shedding millions more people off of home ownership permanently into being tenants of somebody else, right? And that somebody else, uh, particularly, I think, in this next recession, is going to be these these uh, corporate entities, as as you've described. they are going to be large books of business in you know in Class A, Class B, and lower. Uh, you know, uh, value categories, and it this is not uh, generally a good thing, especially in a country where the primary way that most families build wealth over time is through their home.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Sorry to get depressing, man. No, oh. no.
0: I mean, I I asked the question in the snarky way. <laughs> we talk about this all the time. Yeah, we do. Um. No, but I, I think it. I think you know. I do want to say. I I think it is commendable as an entrepreneur you know you're trying to focus on you know you know helping helping people you know while also trying to make a living you know i think that's i think we need more of that stomping jam but
1: like you know like what scott's talking about is like building community development right like yeah you know you invest in the businesses you invest in the community you're investing in the real estate and it all works together when it comes together it benefits everybody, right? So why wouldn't you spend time to help those?
0: Right.
2: You know, it benefits everybody, and it can sustain itself over, yeah, you know, forever. This is, by the way, nothing new. It's the way that cities and towns were built organically right. for about ten thousand years before, after World War II, the United States fucked it up.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Basically,
2: yeah, we know. money became cheap. And then we said, "Ooh, suburbia! This is going to be good. We spread everybody out, and you're going to have to have a car to get everywhere."
1: Yeah. I mean, it's interesting too, because like you think of a city like Springfield that has such a bad reputation uh, nationally, you know, but like that was like the city of homes. Like that's literally what it was called, yeah. right? You know, they had that's all these right. magnificent mansions that were built up around all the industry, right? So that's where all the hob knobs. You you look at a city like Holyoke too, um, which is like the same thing. You know, you look um at the highlands, which is where all the rich, you know, <laughs> people the, barons. the manage the managers of the factory. And the then wealth. you had, you know, the wealth barons. You know, all of the like yeah. more, you know, the the, the lower class in quotations, uh, housing that, you know, was built
2: up around the factory. I will
0: refer you to Bruce Springsteen's mansion on a hill. Yeah. um, If you want the- (laughs) I
2: was just going to say, like New Jersey. I mean, there's, you
0: know, the areas around
2: Newark and Orange. Yeah. Originally, you know, uh, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, we, we, money became cheap um, because, uh, you know, Bretton Woods, 1943, right? Mm -hmm. The world's currency will now be the American dollar if you want our help and then we helped everybody and then we were the last industrial powerhouse standing. And then we also said, we're going to, every, everything's going to be about the car. We're going to create car centric places. And, um, and then, you know, we, we decided that uh, we're going to, we're going to let the people who have the money, right. The, the next big thing for them is to leave cities and go and have, you know, single family homes on acreage, blah, 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 blah. Right. But the problem with that was, is the whole financial system that created that for one left a whole lot of people without the means to leave the city. So we, you know, siloed those that can afford to from those who cannot afford to, and a lot of your ownership of uh, businesses and so forth and properties left the cities and became the landlords, the out-of-town landlords. It, these are all examples, by the way, of what, you know, in the aggregate starts to be a, a an extractive economy. So literally for 60 years or more in in a city like Sp- specific, specifically, rather, uh, Springfield, um, you know, the money has been extracted out to the suburbs. Right. But the money's still being produced in Springfield. It's just the people who live in Springfield overwhelmingly aren't the people who get the benefit of wealth building from it. Right, right. And uh, and then um, and then we took a lot of your walkable, bikeable neighborhoods, and like a, a city, a, a street like State Street became both a street and a road. My mm-hmm. my friend Chuck Marone over at Strong Towns calls that the a strode. Right, it does neither well. Streets are a place where people live, they work, there's all kinds of complication and density and, and you know, um, not complication, complexity rather happening there. And those are places where people can build wealth and vibrant neighborhoods culturally and otherwise. And when you get rid of that and you replace it with uh, cars need to go down this narrow road at 60 miles an hour, right, you get safety issues, Mm -hmm. you get. You know, and it alters the neighborhood. And that's what we did. We made it easy for people to drive in, make Mm -hmm. money, drive drive out, out. take the money with them, (laughs) literally. Right. And so and not just Springfield. And then the the final straw, though, for Springfield, which this one really gets me, is it's a river town. Right. So then we said, you know, by the early 60s, well, we're going to put a highway between the people and their access to their river. And talk about breaking the soul of a place.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'd never thought of that.
2: <sighs> I, I, I I am no expert on the city of Springfield, okay? I'm not from there. And so, but I, over this last year and a half of really trying to enter that marketplace, you know, a lot of people whose families have been there a long time have all said to me, hey, have you heard about what they did when they put the highway? There? I mean, that's what people uh, remember, it hurts mm-hmm. them personally, yeah.
0: and it should. Mm-hmm. So, let's take it back to business triage for a second. <laughs> um, sure. How does the process work? So, let's say I'm I'm somebody who is you know I have I own a business. Is is unlikely that is to imagine stomping Jen? But you I'm have somebody. Business. What? You have this business. It's not a business. This <laughs> is. Just- <laughs> This is, um, this is, oh, I'm just doing a service. A service. Yes. But let's say we have a business, um, Scott, and, we we're, struggling business. and we're, we're, we're struggling and lo- we're looking for assistance. Like, how does, how does the process work if that, we want to engage business triage? How does that work?
2: It, 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 this whole program is meant to be simple and quick. So uh, in, in as many different ways as it can be. So uh, they contact uh, us and we set up an intake. And an intake is a usually an hour phone conversation or Zoom call with myself and any number of my other uh, consultants who are available. And we start asking questions and we allow the client to ask questions. If they really do seem like, if we start to uh, sense some chemistry between all parties, we might have another call. We might have a third call. And we do this, you know, as quickly as the as the uh, business has flexibility in their time schedule. And then if, uh, if everybody really feels like it's the right move, um, when the intake or intakes are over, uh, I'll come up with a project proposal. There might be a little bit of back and forth with that project proposal for a week or so. And once all parties really understand um, the premise of that project proposal, agree to it. And then understand each each to one another's obligations to to each other. We sign the project proposal, and the project begins immediately. Okay, it's as simple as that. Most projects have been accomplished in somewhere between sixty to one hundred and twenty days, and um, and clients can uh, can contact us pretty much in perpetuity. You know, afterwards. OK, just for either basic advice or and, and there's some follow up things that we do. We, we have a peer advisory group that occasionally comes together, um, not entirely made up of triage clients, but other other consultants, other clients and so forth. We try to mix and match people to, in, in a group like that. And they might meet, you know, once a month and trade war stories. And, you know, it's a place for people to talk. And boy, I got to tell you, especially during covid, that component really became The way that different business owners from different parts of the country could just, uh, especially those that don't have family and were really uh, self-isolating in a negative way, it was an opportunity for them to really check in, you know?
0: Yeah, I imagine it's probably very useful for, you know, business owners to get together and talk about their problems Mm -hmm. and issues that they're facing and, you know successes too, challenges.
1: You know, it just, sorry, just, I don't mean to, but it harkens back to like the beginning of this conversation where, you know, Scott was talking about like uh, cross industry, right? Like all businesses, doesn't matter what kind of business they, you you break it down to it's nitty gritty, you know, the profit and loss, the balance sheet, like all of the basics business stuff. And it's all like the same issues and, and troubles, right? It's just in different industries, but like the the basics, the fundamentals of like these businesses are all the same. So it doesn't matter. That's why it's applicable to like any industry, right, Scott? yeah,
0: right, <laughs> no, but
2: I'm, no, no. You're, t- you're 100% right. Like, and the thing is, is you'll always get people who are like, no, 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 no. It's th- This is unique to us. It's not even other people in our industry. This is only us. By the way, all our clients don't sound like they come from New York.
0: It happens,
2: <laughs> it happens to be what I'm sounding like um you know like but then you know you, you don't it doesn't take very long to have people then realize oh yeah you know this is just these are fairly atypical issues i think what was unique particularly with with the covid period is that you know uh just as i described a moment ago right like within 10 days you know you get hit with your landlord tells you to get out <laughs> you know you've you just lost 200 clients you know, because it's a live thing and it can only be live, and you can't really pivot fast enough to get them back. You can't rent instruments, you know. You know, you know what I mean? Like you got people got hit with too many hits to their revenue stream or streams, but they were a going concern just ten days before. So you know, it, it's in business. It's always a question of you know what what's the adverse effect to your cash flow, and can you recover from that fast enough? Same goes for when you start the business, right? Do I have enough cash reserves? So when I open up day one, you know, I have enough money to operate on until I have a sustainable amount of cash flow coming in on that business. This is why in small towns, especially rural community, well, I won't say especially, it could be rural or urban, but people will wonder, wow, a Pizza Place goes into that corner shop every six months. There's like a new company in there every six months. I don't get it. What happened? And I'll tell you what happened. No one can get bank financing anymore, and they last as long as their savings held out. Their personal savings.
0: Oh, that's so depressing.
2: It's well, <laughs> but 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 every once in a while the business lasts, and and the risk was worth the reward, right? But for most people, like if you know. And listen, when we in our days at the incubator, we had a lot of small businesses that were local come in, we, we, we focused more on creating professional class jobs through intellectual property and helping some some innovation based companies develop, but we would have small businesses come in for advice, too. And they'd be like, well, I have basically what amounts to like 90 days, uh, you know, cash reserves to start a business on and I want to rent space downtown. And it's kind of a new business. It's never been done here in town before Mm. or worse. You know, they'd be like, (laughs) we're the fifth business on the street and, but we can compete, trust me. And I'd be like, well, where's this money coming from? They're like, well, it's my savings. Yeah. And I'd be like, dude, dude. No, no. Yeah. No. And people would still go out and do it anyways. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying don't start a business, but what I, what I would say to them is how much money do you have in your pocket right now? And then, you know, pull out. I got 12 bucks. Right. I'm like, this is what I want you to do. You got $12. Now I want you to think seriously. This is not just an exercise. This is how you're going to get this business started. You're going to not touch your savings. How can you turn that $12 by the end of today into 50 bucks?
0: Huh.
2: Well, what do you mean? Well, that's the exercise. The exercise is work with what I have today and, and get to get to some other incremental step. And then I'm going to think about the next incremental step. And that is the smart way to start a business when you lack a lot of financial resources. Not, I'm going to take every last dime I have and buy a really awesome looking truck.
0: Right. Yeah.
2: You know, or whatever, you know, the applicable toy is, right?
0: No, it's interesting. Um, I'm on, I'm in a lot of these podcasts um, groups like creator groups and equipment groups and all that stuff it's a thing i follow pretty closely and one of the things that we see constantly in these groups or somebody wants to start a podcast and they go out and they buy like thousands of dollars of high-end oh, yeah. equipment and they don't even have an idea for a show they've never even talked into a microphone they don't have any content right like right then they, they don't even have anything interesting to say they think that the equipment is going to be the thing that creates the podcast. I know you're laughing at me, but
1: I'm not laughing like, at I, you. I mean, but I did what with Scott-
0: those sound effects. <laughs> I did. I did what Scott is saying. I started with a forty-dollar microphone uh-huh. and a laptop, right? And and scaled up from there, like incrementally, <laughs> right? Like I love you. We had no revenue stream to do I know, this but with. <laughs> I, no 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 but this like i said this isn't a business but it's the same model though i'm trying right. to like you built the content i'm trying to say this is like useful thinking this is a useful model of thinking across many spectrums right like work with yeah. what you had i had a 50 dollar microphone and a laptop mm-hmm. i wanted to create a podcast mm-hmm. so i did that right and then when the 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 modeling i was doing in terms of listeners and um, my own success metrics met a certain point, I scaled up to the next thing. Right. Okay. Like, and I'm just saying like, I didn't um, spend everything I had out of the gate on this idea. Right. Right. I, I don't know.
2: It's no, it's a great example. That's, but see, you pointed out two, two important points. The first being, uh, you, you know, reiterating my point, And the second one being what, what is the fundamental of what you're trying to do that's important? Right. Right. And we live in a, in a culture that's very attuned to stuff like cool stuff. You know, I want cool stuff. Like I, it's not just that I need a car. There's a car that represents my personality. Right. And that, that kind of thing. (laughs) And so people spend a lot of time garnering money to get the stuff when it's like, well, And then artists, I feel like inherently understand this, that like, maybe I should spend this next year seeing if I can write up, you know, a decent script for a podcast or a premise, you know, and develop that over time. And can I get good guests? Right. (laughs) Not famous, but good ones, you know, like people that would be interesting to talk to, like, that's the podcast, not, not the stuff, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. But that's hard.
2: That's hard for some people. Yeah, yeah I, I
1: mean, I want a Corvette Stingray, but I drive a Toyota Sienna.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's kind of like a Stingray, <laughs> sort of. And what are you talking about? A Sienna is like a fifty, sixty thousand dollar car these days. Oh no,
0: it's an old it's, Sienna. It's it's, it's old. <laughs> it's and got
2: dents in it. Yeah,
0: it's old. And It was all, it, you know, and just keep it, keeping it ultra real. It was also. Um, partially uh, subsidized by um your uh, podcast by no no (laughs) yes by by our podcast (laughs) by a set of grandparents (laughs) that wanted to ride around in the same vehicle Vehicle. together (laughs) yeah right and like but to your point like it was this thing that that you know was a little out of our probably out of what we wanted to spend right and you know yeah we wanted some help with that
1: yeah no, it's
0: true. Yeah. So back to help.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, uh, for sure, for sure, we've had some yeah. help along the way.
0: But to Scott, to Scott's point though, those those things are easily fifty thousand dollars now. <laughs> I mean, we bought that thing t- ten years ago. So, um, um, so Scott, like, so you mentioned um, after somebody comes into the business triage program, engages through the intake process, um, they will get a, like a proposal of some kind, just. Um, what what might be in a proposal to help somebody? Like, what kinds of things might um, um, be proposed to help somebody? <laughs> I guess is what sure. I'm trying to say.
2: <laughs> He's got a lot of technical jargon going yeah. on. Yeah, proposed. <laughs>
0: Stom- stomping Jen knows. Like, I, I'll I'll sit that. I I can sit here and talk about just about anything else other than finance or business. This is not my thing. It's not your will. I don't know anything about this doing, stuff. No,
2: no, you're doing good, Subasan. It's all it's, it's, it's working out. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, what, like, what might be in a proposal, like, it, for somebody who's struggling?
2: Um, a lot of them, uh, overwhelmingly, uh, you know, some kind of leadership training,
0: mm-hmm.
2: huh. uh, and or uh, shifting in their leadership. Um, has taken place. So, uh, which it has included, I mean, we've helped people identify additional people they might've needed Um, for the sole proprietors, you know, it's pretty much up to them. So um, for sole proprietors, a very common component, really much of the focus of the the, um, projects we've done with them has been determining, like one of the first things I'll ask people is, you know, do you want to be the craftsman or do you want to be the business owner? Because it's hard to be both. And when you're the only person, you know, you, it's it's still not a choice of, well, I'm everybody. Mm-hmm. You've got to determine what you want to be. There's no right or wrong answer. But then we're going to build a team around you to, to make up for what, you know, you're not going to concentrate on. So what I mean by that is, direct example, we had a speech, speech pathologist professional with her own practice. And she said, you know, I really want to be the craftsperson. I don't, um, you know, I don't want to just administer a business and have other people doing the, the, um, the work, uh, the counseling work with students. And I said, great. And so what we did is we built a combination of actual people and technology around her technology platforms. So she could still properly know that the financial management was active and uh, was being done correctly for the business that the other elements to the business management, the daily operations, scheduling, etc., cetera, was being done right. And we saved her on average. I think it was, this one goes back to the beginning. So it's been a little while, but I think it was like 13 hours a week that she was spending doing all that other stuff. And we replaced uh, either with technology or a vendor that time so then she was actually able to take on so many more new intakes or new students Things that not only that could maybe. she pay for all of that but she actually had a net margin at the end of that 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 overall by the end of the first year now she had a really sustainable business that was paying for you know for her to have a good draw and then um her choice she could um you know maybe even hire a few people if she wanted to that's Um,
1: so interesting this is the most amazing thing for me like so i don't do what scott does i do it like very small scale itty bitty um but the thing that always gets me is when i'm talking to a client or somebody that i'm working with and they're like oh you know you know i'm so stupid about you know all this money stuff or whatever and it's like I always have to stop them and be like, whatever it is that they're doing, like that's what you do, right? Like this is what I do. So you don't have to feel stupid about not knowing about the money part of your business because that's why you're smart enough to hire somebody to help you with that, right? Like I can't do what you do. Why should you think that you should be able to do what I can do?
2: Right. Right? Yeah, that's that's so right. Well, and the other thing is is because we, we make people think that you, and this isn't just entrepreneurs, but we, uh, again, I think this gets down to our particular culture. We make people think that at a certain age point, right. You're supposed to just know everything. Right. And so for adults, like so much of this, I don't know how you feel about this, Jen, I'd I'd be interested to hear what you have to say, but I I feel like so much of what we do uh, in this, in this realm uh, has to do with uh, giving people permission to go with their gut, and that what you're feeling or what you're doing is not wrong. It's actually quite right. And that you're on to something, right? And give them permission to do the right things, which they more or less inherently know, but they need another party to sort of say, oh, no, 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 You that that's right. That's, right, that's going to yeah. work.
1: Yeah. I have clients all the time. They'll be like... Be like, can you just check check my numbers? Like, make sure, like, we're, we're doing things that we're, we're good. And I'm always like, yeah. And those are the smartest clients, too, because they know. They know. They know. They feel it. Like, you just said they feel it. They know it because they know that they have cash at the end of the day. And they can pay everybody. But they just need somebody else to just check that for them. Just make sure. Which
2: is another sign of smart management. Exactly. Checking in a second opinion, a third, a fourth, you know, that that kind of consensus uh is important so that you in fact can feel like oh yeah it's it's my gut but it's also been substantiated by the the people who know how to manage that particular aspect of the business right
0: yeah the thing that scott said that i'm just really um sitting here thinking on is how the, the leadership aspect of it right of of a have of being a, a small business and uh, thinking you have to do everything mm-hmm. yourself, right? And that I'm, I'm, I'm assuming this is a, this is a situation a lot of small business owners run into. And like, I think it's a beautiful thing giving people the option, you know, that they don't have to. Like, yeah, yeah if you just want to go make donuts, do that. But right. if you, it, but also like maybe you've been doing that for twenty years and you're sixty five and you're older and you don't want to be in the kitchen and you want to step back and focus more on running the business itself. Right. Or like something like that. You can do that. Well, like you have to make sure you have the skills to do that. But what I'm saying is (laughs) you you work, you work with somebody like, (laughs) like Scott. Yeah. Like you work with somebody. I'm going
2: to shoe horses now. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, but you've been an accountant for 40 years. So how are you going to do that? Oh, it's translatable. Yeah. have yeah, got but, translatable
0: skills. But. Yeah. No, but you know what I mean? Like, I think a lot of people don't, um, I think a lot of small business owners don't recognize they have options. That's, I think that's what I'm trying to say. Like they could, that they, they might be able to do something differently.
2: Well, and it's a question of, you know, find, well, take the position you want to take. There's no right or wrong, but that doesn't mean, we just want to make it clear for listeners. That doesn't mean, oh, you know, Scott says, I don't have to do bookkeeping. Awesome. No, you have to have somebody. Somebody needs to to do it. No, no, somebody (laughs) needs to do it.
0: (laughs) And and I am, I am saying that. But what I, my perception, you work with these people. I don't. Is that small business owners? A lot of them think they have to do everything themselves.
1: Yeah. No. Well, that's the thing. That's what Scott's talking about. Is this mythology in the marketplace that people need to be experts at everything? Right. But allowing them and sitting them down and being like, no. You don't need to know how to do everything. What you need to know is be smart enough to recognize that you have challenges in certain blind spots in certain areas and that you need right. people to fill those gaps.
0: That's what I want to ask you and Scott. It It's actually kind of my last question in, in, on the business end of this stuff is, do people recognize they're struggling or do people... Recognize they're drowning all the time. Not everybody. What are what are the challenges, Scott, that you're seeing people coming to you with? Like, what are the, you know, what are the challenges Uh, people are facing?
2: Even for those of us who are pretty self actualized, right? Um, When it's you and it's your business it is very easy to get into different levels of stasis on decision-making when the difficult decisions need to be made. I, I can even tell you for myself, um, it, it, I've, it's far easier. The fun part of business mentorship, um, which I rarely get to do now, I mostly administer this program and most of my time is spent in real estate de- uh, development. But when I do, see the fun part of it is I'm liberated to give you the right advice. I have distinct moments as a business owner, um, particularly with my last business, which had a number of different challenges along the way. Um, The little voice in my head told me exactly what I needed to do, but it was, I'm actually the owner of the business. And I caught myself several times ignoring that voice. And doing not so much maybe specifically doing wrong things, but delaying making tough decisions like when you just know you got to get rid of somebody or, you know, or you you've got to, you know, the program you you have a lot of emotional tie to because you designed it and it should work. But you've put it out in the marketplace for a sufficient period of time and it is not working. And you have to be honest with yourself to say, it doesn't matter that I think this is a good idea. Everyone else thinks it's a shitty idea and yeah. I have to move on to the next idea. That is way easier to do, giving other people that advice than it is for the owner. And there's a variety of different reasons for it. Sometimes they're emotionally tied to a, an initiative or a program or a person. Right or or it's just simply scary uh, especially in in businesses that are like like a retail environment relatively speaking most decisions you need to make are pretty quick so if you if you have a product and you've had you you made a big investment in this product probably too big in the beginning and after 30 days it's just not selling at the kind of net margins that most retail operations of any kind run on nowadays That business can quickly find itself as a a dead business walking, so to speak, because they're not making those inventory changes fast enough. Like you got to recognize this stuff is never going to sell. And now I've got a whole bunch of money tied up in stuff that's never going to sell. Now, what am I going to do? And you've got to start making that decision and do something about it that day. You don't wait another six months. Right. You'll run out of money.
0: All right. So listen, I know a lot of it's s- all about money. Small businesses. Cash. Um, we've had a lot of small business owners as guests. We focus a lot on businesses and artists here. So I think you know there are people listening to this who are business owners. I'm sure. So um, if you, like a lot of other people, or find yourself struggling or feel challenged in some way out there right now, reach out. Um, to um the Business Triage Program. Now, we're going to have all of the links to um, Scott's company and the Business Triage um, Program in the show notes, okay? Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can go look at them there. So if you're listening to this, hopefully you can find the show notes. Um, Scott, is there anything you want to say about where people can reach out to you uh, for help through the Business Triage Program?
2: Sure, you can find out information on business triage, and you can also find out about everything we're doing in uh, real estate. You can find out all our services at smgravesassociates.com, including all of our different podcasts and the contributing writers of something we call M the Media Project, uh, which we started. That also came out of Business Incubator as a way to incubate uh, new financial models that support local journalism in communities where uh, the local paper has been hollowed out.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's a big problem.
1: Well, people don't even want to read anymore.
0: No. What do they do well, that's instead? Why, they watch. Well, we got videos, videos. and podcasts. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: They want they want information fed to them. They don't want to invest the time and.
2: Yeah. Looking at it. So Scott, you podcast an hour. It's too long. Uh, yeah, but. Uh, <laughs> but how long did it used to take you to read the paper? I was like two hours, you know, uh, I think you're still ahead by an hour.
0: Yeah. I mean, my, my problem is there are too many podcasts. Like, um, you know, I really (laughs) have to curate. I really have to curate my list, you know, which is like, in some ways when I think about it, I don't know. And Scott, you have a podcast. You just mentioned it. Let's talk about it. Um, I think your main podcast is, um, what we call the "Are We Here Yet" podcast, um, and it's part, like you mentioned, it's part of the M Media project. Um, what I was gonna say, though, um, you know, is I'm I'm given what I know about how selective I am about listening to podcasts and having to curate my list carefully because there's only so many hours in the day, right? Whether you're driving somewhere or walking at the gym. I'm blown away that anybody listens to this podcast and grateful for like every single person who listens, even if it's like, you know, even if it was just 10 people, I would be grateful. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, (laughs) it's amazing. So um, tell us a little bit about your podcast. Are We Here Yet? Are We Here
2: Yet deals with uh, particularly where we have interesting stories that intersect between economics, urbanism, and culture. So uh, it, it does deal with a lot of the sort of topics that uh, much like we've talked about tonight, you know, about, you know, economic justice and housing and development patterns and that intersects with, you know, culture, cultural patterns and history. And, um, and then a lot of times, you know, we'll just have different writers and artists on as well. And we generally try to tie their stories to these other, you know, phenomenon of, of urbanism and, and economics. So it, it gets interesting. It supports a lot. It's how a lot of our clients find us at the, at, at the consultancy and at Epic. Um, and it's, it's really cool to do ultimately because we talk about all the things that are important. Um, no, not just to me personally, but our producer, Cam Cloud and, and, um, and a lot of the other people that work as consultants for SMG it's, uh, It's really fun.
0: Yeah. You're about to hit your 100th episode. I think. How does that feel? Uh,
2: It's yeah. You know, so I'm going to be honest with you. I, so I haven't, we haven't recorded anything for a week or two. And I just realized earlier today that I think the reason why we hadn't scheduled anybody is because I'm actually afraid to do, I'm going to have to, the next one's going to have to be 101. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And my, and my wife even said, and she's, she's like she when she puts a point makes a point or puts an idea out there it's usually like what you know and then she won't say anything for another six months but then she'll say something i'm like that just blew me away and she she pointed out you know so what are you going to do you're going to have like a big blowout kind of show or what i mean you got to do something for your hundredth and that just put more pressure on me oh no so now i'm just like avoiding it yeah like what, so, what happens when you put out your hundred? What happened for you guys when you put out your hundredth? Did we episode? do
0: anything? Um, I don't even know. Let's look. Um, you <laughs> You're talk. Go I'll back. pull it up. I'll look. I'll see what it was. <laughs> I don't think we did anything special. I don't um, think we did
1: anything special.
0: Uh, let's see how long it takes me to scroll through this. Um, we,
1: you know, Saatu is like the driver in all of this. You know. Yeah.
0: What do you mean by that? You Perhaps- should
2: drive sometime, Jen. Come on.
1: No, I mean, like you know, you're the
2: talent in this in this whole. No offense, but I, you <laughs> know, I find you to be the talent of this podcast.
1: I mean, it's it's you know he he puts it all together. He produces it. You know, he puts all the work into marketing it oh, and and all of that. You know,
0: airplane mode. That's in all I seriousness,
2: so. you guys do an excellent job. I really do enjoy this.
1: podcast. Ah, oh, thank you, thank you, thank, you. thank um, you. I really
0: appreciate that. I cannot find
1: our hundredth
0: episode. Yeah, of course. Um, I I am like I cannot. <laughs> what, what do you
2: want now? Like the hundred
0: Fiftieth or so, or oh no, no we're like one hundred ninety seven, one hundred ninety eight somewhere oh, around there. Wow. Yeah, we've yeah. been doing this a long time. <laughs> I, and actually, it's it's interesting. I a while ago, a couple months ago, I spent an entire weekend removing numbers. all of the episode numbers. You renumbered
1: them all or something? Yeah,
0: I like I well, I took away the episode numbers because it, at some point I decided it just doesn't matter anymore.
1: There you go. Take away the numbers, guy. <laughs> You'll be all set. <laughs> yeah.
0: This is what it I'm takes saying. all the pressure gonna out, off. I'm just going to put out 101.
1: Well, I mean, this is the uh, thing. What was your 100? This is the thing, right? Like, it's, um, we we we, we sit down at the microphone like on a pretty regular, pretty regular basis. We don't get like much of a break a lot of the time. So I'm always saying, why don't we split this up into seasons or whatnot? And yeah. It, not, I don't know.
0: I'm close. I'm close. Okay. I, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's just an interesting you too, concept, like, you
1: know. Like other people do, they take breaks. They they split it up into seasons. You know, they have. We generally, yeah. The,
2: this this little break here actually started simply because, pretty much, for the summer. Because in all, so we've got four podcasts, two of which we produce in house, and the other two are produced by other people. And we've got a fifth and a sixth that are supposed to be coming out. Um, But Cam and I are starting to kind of get a little overwhelmed with just, you know, like production schedules and stuff. Cause some of those other ones are highly scripted and highly um, produced, Mm -hmm. like, you know, original music, not just the theme song, but like every week is going to need original stuff for every episode or whatever. And, um, um, but we usually take the summer off because frankly, just, you know, so
1: yeah.
2: Oh yeah. Because basically September through the end of may uh every monday night is are we here yet we have a political podcast uh called on the rocks politico which is every tuesday night and that's basically my buddy bruce uh bruce chester who's currently running for the massachusetts house of representatives as a republican he's an army veteran an african-american gentleman here from from the city i live in and then and and i'm the liberal and so we The show, the whole, the show's entire premise it's, and by the way, I just want to say everyone listening, the show actually is a loser. Um, People complain about it all the time, but it's, I think it's a great show, but we get together and we actually have sane conversations about things that, that we just wildly disagree on, but that we're trying to figure out like, okay, well then how fundamentally did you come to this decision? And you know, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And then every once in a while, there's some pretty, good satire you know making fun of our local officials and that's like the balance right of the show and um and the biggest complaint we get from people is like you guys don't fight enough it's like i need to hear (laughs) like i need to hear an argument you know and it's like no that the, the entire premise of the show is to show that people need to have rational conversation about this shit because it's because we're not that right you
0: know yeah yeah, that's awesome. Um Did you find it? I did find it. So oh, our hundredth okay. episode was an interview with a children's book author. Um oh. Sam DeLore. Oh. And her Oh yeah. And her and the Drake. Her, and yeah, the yell of the Drake. The yell of Teddy Drake. Um So yeah, we I didn't do anything so we didn't do anything special. I mean, nothing yeah. nothing crazy. No big um, blowout. No. And <laughs> You know, we.
2: <laughs> I'm, I'm, so what you're saying is I'm overthinking this, right?
0: No, no. I mean, you you do you. You. That's the beauty. That's the beauty of these things, right? You like, do you. Um. Yeah, you know, I don't know if I could do this without Jen here. I'm not sure. Um. But what I do know is, like, I could. You know, I don't. We don't need a guest. Like, I could sit down and talk about this seltzer can for 35 minutes. Who's and, gonna listen to it and make a show out of it? <laughs>
1: Right. I mean, some people have said that they just like to listen to us banter. So, so,
2: that's why. Uh, I honestly, yeah. and I, I mean this without sincerity, th- those are some of the better moments on this show. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I mean, maybe that's because I don't know you guys super well, but I've, it's, I I don't know what it is. I've gotten to know you remotely yeah. over time because we're, we have a mutual <laughs> friend in the great warrior poet, Joshua Michael Stewart. Right. And- Let's give him a. Yeah, right on, right. New book yeah. coming out. Yep, yep. pre-order. We already, we already ordered on. it. Yeah, we bought it. We What's it called
0: again?
1: It. <laughs> You're going to put me on the spotlight. <laughs> I'll put it that. in the show notes. <laughs> he advertises it like every day. Love, the love poems, something. The poems are
0: amazing. Love something. I'm going to put. I'm going to oh, put yeah. the link um, to the book in the show notes. Yeah. He's
2: also a contributor, regular contributor yep. to M the Media Project. Yeah. Yeah. Some good stuff.
1: Yeah. Um, Josh. Yeah, he's broken. amazing.
2: Yeah. But those are the good things because in, in it, it, it you don't have to be married to enjoy the witty banter of stomping Jen and Sawtooth Frank. But if <laughs> oh. you are, it you can appreciate it because I, I seriously, I listen to you guys talking and I'm like th- that you know, in its own way reminds me of, you know, when I'm talking with and now I've tried to convince my wife, Christine, <laughs> that we should do a podcast together. <laughs> and, and she's like, you know, I don't like, you know, being in public. I'm like, honey, we'd be in our room with two microphones. Like it's the most intimate, th- this is part of why you, you like radio and you like podcasting, right? It's like this yeah. intimate way to share ideas with people. And I'm like, it's, it's totally not like being in front of people. She's like, it's going to be like being in front of people.
0: Yeah.
2: I put the microphone in front of her. It's not even on. And, she, and she's like Bobby Brady in that Brady bunch episode where the red light goes on right the ice cream contest yeah
1: i think i was like that at the beginning i was not really comfortable with being in front of the microphone
0: no i had to drag you kicking and, it, and screaming at some
1: point it was just like <laughs> whatever
0: and here you are That's exactly what it is um so um scott what have you learned from doing your podcasts sitting here now having you know on the precipice of that scary 100th episode and you've ha- you've got all of these other podcasts what have you learned from doing well, podcasting
2: um one thing is uh is it's helped me to refine some of my ideas and concepts for you know for for business you know what I mean in other words, you know, if you take this seriously enough, seriously enough, you think, OK, it's not just about being able to like do something in a job, but now I'm going to start to describe it, talk about it. So back in the day when I was a performing artist, you know, all of the, the teachers I had would always say, well, you also have to teach. So you might not become a school teacher, but you have to teach while you perform because it's how you reinforce constantly the things that you, you need to do when you're actually performing. And so it's similar to that. It's like, this is like the, this is like school where, you know, you're refining how you're going to express certain concepts or topics. Um, and then on top of it, when we have guests, some of the guests we've had are are really leaders in their field. And so you don't want to look like a total stooge in front of someone that you might even idolize a little bit, you know, that, that's in a, a certain type of business or whatever. Yeah. And so, yeah, it like refining And getting down to that, and you know, I'm like you guys. I really enjoy conversation, but it's also, you know, kind of got me. You like, like you really have to pare down and not talk over people. And (laughs) yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, listening, listening to people is not easy. You know, leaving space and giving. Turning over the microphone to others is hard, especially if you love the microphone, like I do. It's hard. (laughs) He's talking about me, of course. (laughs) No. um, Do you get nervous, Scott, do you get nervous when you're, like, talking to somebody new that you've ever, you've not talked to before? Or somebody you might even view as somebody you, um, did you say idol? I don't think you said idolize, but somebody who's, uh, somebody you admire?
2: Um, you know, not so much in the beginning, but I've had a few times like you guys, I pre record, and there's been a few times where just, you know, for whatever reasons, like, you know, the mind just goes back. I, I we should say, you know, like, you know, I'm usually recording at eight or nine o'clock at night after right. a full day of work. Yeah. So, you know, like, there's some times where I'm, I'm just in the middle of the conversation with somebody, and then I just go blank and I'm just like, Hey, I just have to apologize. You know, I'm like completely mentally out yeah <laughs> and that's happened to a couple of people who are like true like yeah. like real leaders in their field like professors at major universities and stuff that we've had and they're like oh, i'm super tired too don't worry about it mm. like yeah. is that us? you know <laughs> you know why don't we have a drink together remotely on zoom yeah like, okay yeah. you know let's loosen up yeah. so yeah it, it's it, it's never been an impediment to the show <laughs> but, but yeah i've had a few times where i just like you know the the heart is into it, but the yeah. mind is cashed out for the night
0: yeah mm. I don't think I've ever had that happen. I just stare and nod <laughs> if I don't know what to say like this he gets right? like
1: all jazzed up after
0: oh my adrenaline is through the roof after um a guest conversation
2: it's true, isn't it yeah like well it, i i for me that's similar to um it's similar to the years of being on stage like you couldn't do even if it was just some you know like just a four hour dance you're doing locally or whatever you know you you can't just you can't just put your stuff away and then just be like okay go to bed you know because you had to get amped up amped up so that people so that you performed for people right well this is like this is helping me get my performance juju going you know because I don't I'm not on stage anymore you know
0: why'd you stop playing
2: um, you know, uh, I, well, I still play, I just stopped meeting in public. Uh, it, it I got to a certain age and a certain stage of self-awareness where I realized I was pretty much doing it for someone else. And he had passed on my, my father passed when I was much younger and I, I like really sort of realized I was pretty much performing to try to please him. Huh. He was not a performing artist or anything like that, but I, it, it just, it just uh, after a while, it just got to me, and um, I, I, and I fully enjoy being an artist. I fully enjoy making music, but the idea of being on stage all the time, and and I made a pretty good living at it. So by the time I finished up, it was the kind of situation where like you don't, you don't not go to a gig, because if you do, your sub might be better than you, and you, and there, you know, and there then goes your start. Yeah. You're on this like constant, like, and, you know, this was, this was like a top 40 wedding in corporate band type of thing with like three or four different bands. And then I did some uh, pit work with, uh, you know, with different union orchestras, you know, for, for theater and stuff. So it was all a great way to make a living, but after a while, I just, you know, you don't want to drive around everywhere. Right. Um, you know, um, and then I just did, I realized that, about myself personally. And I'm like, you know, I don't have to do this anymore. There's just other things I'd rather do. And then, you know, with the world, uh, you know, crashing down around us and going up in flames in so many different ways, it (laughs) felt like, Hey, can, can I make a living, you know, helping others yeah, as you say, like addressing bigger issues.
0: Do you still play your instruments of choice? Like often do you play every day? Do you play like once a week? Well, interestingly
2: enough, I had sold off all of my vintage stuff when um, I had my music company. It's ironic, Um, but um, but recently I I I bought myself a new alto sax so that I you know because I really wanted one and it's a really nice vintage instrument so I've been enjoying that a little bit and uh, I still have a flute and clarinet and yeah I mean you know not often enough probably but I do whenever I feel like it I can pull them out and make music and um, and I've got a 14 and an 11 year old right now so the really great thing is is I can completely annoy them you know with my music because they're at that stage where they're just like anything that that dad likes culturally is clearly invalid it's just invalid
0: and you have a saxophone so you can um, reenact that scene from the Lost Boys oh my god you can get into a pair of tight (laughs) jeans oh my
1: god how did
0: I not know that was coming? Yeah. On? Oil is, oil up your torso. <laughs> oh
1: my God. <laughs> it was either
0: that
2: or he was going to say, So do you know that careless whisper thing? You know, <laughs> oh like God. everyone knows a careless whisper oh thing. Man. Oh, man. Yeah. God. I love the
0: saxophone. Um, it's one of my favorite it's instruments very prolific in, in music. It's prolific in 80s yeah. music. Well, I, um, my favorite band is Pink Floyd. And they just, yeah. they use the saxophone in a, precision way like yeah, you know for real throughout their music i love it that's where i grew to appreciate the saxophone
1: because mm-hmm. like what
0: is that i didn't like this is back like when i was a kid i was like what the hell is that instrument i had no idea mm-hmm. and that's what it was and there's like there's some songs where uh roger waters is singing and it blends into the saxophone, oh and they like yeah the timbers become similar. They oh, cross, yeah, no, exactly and you can't about. like tell what's what. Uh, anyways, so that's for right. another
1: podcast. Yeah, um,
0: <laughs> Scott, nice. where do you want to take where do you want to take your podcast? Is there any are you going to just keep doing what you're doing? You want are you thinking about doing anything different, changing anything up?
2: Yeah. You know, there's a, there's some things uh, more or less at the detail level that we're kind of bored with, you know, so next fall, you know, we want to change those things up a bit and we've kind of hit a plateau. You know, we get at any given time weekly at this point we're doing, I don't know. Is it, is it uncouth to talk about how many downloads you get? You can talk talk, about it. I don't, he doesn't Um, share.
0: I don't share, but you can. I don't even know.
2: We're, i i don't think these numbers are that great but they like they fluctuate but more or less um between all of them primarily the two that we produce internally we usually do about a thousand downloads a week that's good and well and so some people have said that's really good other people have said yeah that sucks I, i mean i think it's pretty good considering i'm not using a lot of uh uh, I don't know, whatever you call it. There's no money invested in this to try to, you know, marketing.
1: uh, Marketing. Well,
2: I mean, some paid marketing occasionally through different social media channels, but I, I actually found the less I do that, the more downloads we get. So I don't know what's up with that, but it seems to work. But I, you know, generally speaking, especially with the, are we here yet podcast? I we'd like to get, we'd like to really have that, explode, you know, uh, yeah. only because we're really talking about a lot of issues of housing justice and mm-hmm. economic justice and like real solutions, journalism oriented stuff. You know, we're not we don't sit there for an hour or so and complain, but we're, we're talking to people who are have some kind of proven uh, whatever it is, you know, product or track record or program or initiative that's actually in the marketplace has actually been working for a particular place. Right. Yeah. And it would just be nice to have that hit some of our peers in that similar space, you know, that are, but most of them have been at it for a decade or more and they're, you know, uh, you know, those organizations might be doing a million downloads a year at this point, but it took (laughs) 10 years to get there.
0: Yeah. I mean, the statistic I latch on to, right. Um, and I really don't pay that much attention to numbers, um, but the statistic I've latched onto is: so there's there's like somewhere over a million podcasts in the Apple Podcast directory. I think only one percent of those regularly achieve more than fifty downloads a week. Wow! So if you're wow. if you're in that range, uh, you know, or above that, you're doing great.
2: Well, that's, a, that's across all four of them. So usually that, so the Are We Here Yet podcast, it, it usually would be more or less a quarter of that, but it's always much more than than 50. So I guess that is pretty good.
0: Yeah, you're doing great.
2: And I know my mom's not listening because she's like, doesn't listen to podcasts. <laughs> yeah. um, it's not my mom downloading it fifty times.
0: You have one of those uh, robot chickens like in the Simpsons oh my God. that Homer has <laughs> that oh, yeah. hits his key, the download key. Anyways, no, that that's awesome. Um all right. Um are there any anything else you want to tell us or talk to us about as we drive towards the end here?
2: I, you know, just want to thank you for having me on your show. I enjoy the show. The soft serve podcast is primo.
1: Thank you. So thank kudos you, to
2: both of you for an excellent program. And, um, you know, uh, and, and want, uh, I want folks that, you know, think that the triage program could help them to reach out to us. Cool. You know, I'd say the the number one challenge with the, or with the, interestingly enough with the program is that some people have been afraid to reach out to us because they don't want other peers publicly to know that they're participating in a business triage program because it makes it sound like they're in trouble which of course (sighs) they are (laughs) yeah but this is the fake it till you make it world so so you know people should know like it's okay to be in trouble recognize it there's help out here for you we uh you know we want you to consider having us consider being your help
0: i love it all right. Um, Scott, when you're not doing business triage, when you're not doing SM Graves Associates, when you're not working on the podcast, I know we probably asked you this 100 episodes ago or something like that, <laughs> but um, what, what do you like to do for fun? What do you, you do in these days just to kick back and relax?
2: Lots of outdoor activities. Nice, keeping yeah. healthy, right? Cycling, hiking.
0: You've got that garden. I've seen you post about your garden.
2: Oh, that's right. Yeah, lots of gardening. Yep. Love plants. I love plants. I love. Yeah. I love living things. You know, being around living th- and the soil. You feel the soil between your toes and your
0: fingers. What you don't like the outdoors? No, I hate it.
1: Jen. I know so many people Jen. who are like find like solace in like planting and arranging and going out and buying plants and designing garden. I'm just like that. No. I could care
2: less. And you live in a fairly rural environment. So how is that for you then?
1: Well, you know, I also am a Jersey girl. And there was lots of landscaping going on down in Jersey I and mean, we yeah. didn't have to deal with any of it. No, I don't know. I'm just not that's not that's not my bag. It's not for you. You know, I'm a product of city people. So yeah. <laughs> I do enjoy going to the
0: farm. <laughs> you know, Jen's parents came to visit us once and uh we were Jen, I remember this. We were riding in the car, Jen's like look at the mountains. <laughs> look at them. Don't you want to go hike them? And, and and I remember Jen's mom goes, They're nice to look at. <laughs> they're
1: nice yeah. to look at yeah i mean they grew up in the city I don't,
0: you know i don't ever want to be near them yes <laughs> <laughs> they're nice to look we at did
1: we did get her up some mountains
0: you did get her up some mountains did you drive her up to the no top no of the no or? she
1: hiked she hiked she hiked cool not my dad cool though.
0: all right um, and new jersey
2: by the way is is I, I probably don't have to tell you that but you know Everyone always thinks of Jersey as like being urban, but there's there's lots of rural New Jersey. Oh, Oh, yeah.
1: I mean, where I grew up was a lot. It was all garden. It was all farmland. Farmland. When my parents moved to the town that I grew up in, I mean, it was the site of the Battle of Monmouth. Basically, it's still
0: it's pretty pretty rural. It's pretty
1: rural. I mean, it's very suburban, but it's pretty rural. Yeah, if you can say both of those things at the same
0: time. I mean, remember the Appalachian the Appalachian Mountain Range passes right through New Jersey. Yeah, on the west. Yeah, side. right. Yeah. That's so right. There are there. Yeah. It, it is Appalachia. in certain spots yeah Um, that's right that's right
2: and then you asked you know something i do one thing i'm about to do i just you know i was spending time in uh little roadie rhode island the other day and i think i'm about ready to for some number of years i've wanted to be a um a a historical reenactor oh yeah and so i'm thinking about joining um crane's artillery In Newport, which is the oldest contiguous charter of a militia group in the United States. They have had some form of either colonial or state charter since 1741 or 1749. Who
0: was Crane?
2: I have no idea. I'm probably going to have to find that out. When I apply, yeah, <laughs> because I think that's probably important. They give you the test, <laughs> yeah. the test. When they give you the test, yeah, uh, you know, to see it, that I know my history. And I'm like, yeah. I don't know this crane guy. Is Heart Crane like what? Who is that?
0: Huh. Yeah, that's cool. That's like the original LARPing. Um, <laughs> LARPing, <laughs> you know, it is. It's, it's cosplay guy. For no, it cos- is. Sure. It is those those people. They. They, the historical reenactors I, I established that whole. thing. Why wouldn't
1: thing. you do like Lexington and Concord? Isn't that closer? than, don't, I'm sure they have yeah. some reenactment.
0: Going well, it's on not so there. much
2: the. Yeah, that's a good question. It's not so much the event, but fu- first of all, it depending on the uniform. Yeah, uh, it can get pricey. Uh, right? So if you're like a red coat, you like you see some of those guys, and it and they're cool, but some of those limey bastards um, uniforms are like you know. Three, four, five thousand dollars. Oh my
1: God, why? <laughs> Sorry. Be,
2: well, I mean, I know is, why,
1: but like why
2: you can save money by making your own, but then you still have to like figure out how to make a grenadier uniform from mm-hmm. the 18th century. So part of my decision is based on that. Um, part of it too is just to kind of get your feet wet. So you, you mm-hmm. know, like a more well-established it it they're basically like different organizations that represent either specific regiments or mm-hmm uh you know different uh groups um so uh yeah i mean this cool. one just for a number of reasons and I've, I've got some friends that are already in there all right from my area of new england so getting around will be relatively easy and these guys do a bunch of different reenacting so mm. cool
1: that's so funny we missed so we were i i didn't tell you i found that afterwards where we just were in new jersey they had a reenactment of the Battle of Monmouth that weekend we were there.
0: Who got to play Molly Pitcher?
1: I don't know. I was taking them on a tour <laughs> <laughs> where I grew up. And Molly Pitcher, like, they have a little, like, monument. And they were making fun of me because I was, like, and because there was, like, a house that George Washington <laughs> slept in once. So, like, like... All
0: you needed was the little headset. <laughs> you were very <laughs> cute. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's a very historical Headset. area.
0: Yeah. Headset, cargo
2: shorts, and the right the right kind of like, That's right. you know. Yeah. That's right. Molly picture. All
0: right. Our last question for Scott um, before we let him go. And I don't remember what you told us last time we asked you this. I don't know if we asked this question. I think we were You've asking, asking this question. have been asking this
1: question quite a long time. For a
0: long time. Um, what have you experienced that you can't explain? You're sitting I here. Yeah. can't explain. That you can't explain. So you're sitting here, a man of the, the 21st century. You've seen it all. iPhones.
1: Nintendo. Nintendos.
0: Nintendos. Mm. Quadruple cappuccinos. That's a ca- but there's got to be something you've seen, that you experience, that you can't explain.
2: You know, uh, and, and you know, it's funny. I know there is. And it's because you've just asked me, and I'm on the spot that um, my my mind, I'm drawing a blank right now. And I don't, don't want to necessarily make it up because I know how important this question is to
0: you. It's not that important to me <laughs> <laughs> at all. It's fine. <laughs> yeah.
2: You're not the first. Uh, you know, here's, here's yeah, one ahead. that's probably not the best, but uh, my youngest, mm-hmm. uh, and she still talks about it now because she, she says she recalls. She recalls, uh, and I know people say, you know, kids do this fairly often, but she recalls, a uh a person and she would constantly be talking about this that this person visited me last night and his name is francais and then we'd say like francois no 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 francais and he kept visiting me um and this was like this common thing she'd be talking about and we thought man, she has an imaginary friend um the weird part is is she's all it even now as she recalls it because most kids forget this. Stuff she's 11 now, and she goes, No, I do remember that. And and she she's described a person physically that, that looks like my father.
0: Huh, was your father's name Francais? No, his name was Arthur. Arthur is I know I, Arthur spelled you know. backwards Francais. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> his middle name was
2: Fairbrother. So oh. I don't know if that has it. That's know.
0: interesting. Hmm
1: maybe yeah, I'm telling you just, it's not maybe, it's not
2: a it's not
1: maybe he was trying to say grandfather Francais
0: huh grandfather. okay well thank you for sharing that with us <laughs> um, I
2: don't know <laughs> It's not the.
0: It's not a great one. It's not. No, it's, it's not a- like. It's not a UFO story. This is I not just, a test. No, it's not a test. <laughs> you did not
1: fail. It's totally fine. And you
0: answered it. We've had people who nice. just didn't even answer it. So thank you. Yes. Um, I'm just collecting. Thank collecting, you for participating. Collecting stories
1: <laughs> in your quest for the unknown.
2: Yeah.
1: Never ending.
2: You're gonna Sorry. have to come on our show sometime and talk about this whole UFO thing. Oh my uh, God I, that hey,
1: well, that, that is all sawtooth. That um, is not me at all.
0: I will <laughs> Not absolutely me. come and talk to you about it anytime. When when you were a kid, did you
2: watch uh, In Search Of? On yes. S- on Sundays?
0: Yes, absolutely. 100%. Oh, man. That, yep. that,
2: I used to love that show.
0: That was a good show. I don't know um, what you're talking about. It kind of got me into all this paranormal stuff. I'm In Search Of? I'll I'd show jump. you a video later. It's okay. Okay. Love you. All right. Um, people, um, first and foremost, uh, Scott Graves, thank you for spending over an hour and a half with us. And I warned you, I told you we would we we would record for no more than an hour and look at us. It always happens. And here we are. We're over an hour and a half. So uh thank you for spending time with us. Um Thank really you. appreciate thank it. Thank you, um,
1: family.
0: Thank everybody. Yeah, um, absolutely, my pleasure. Loved loved hearing about business triage, talking about the podcast, all of that stuff. Um, so thanks, thanks again, listeners. Um, thank you for continuing to listen. Um, yes. I want to just give a shout out to our inexplicable audience in the Ukraine. still yeah they're still there um thank goodness yeah thank you for still being there and and listening to us um stay safe yeah that those facebook ads really paid off um (laughs) (laughs) the ones i targeted to kiev for a month um so, um, no, but seriously, um, stay safe. We love you. Thanks for listening. Everybody else, uh, thank for you. for listening. A <laughs> um, couple things. Go check out our website, uh, softservepodcast.com. If you're not already subscribed to, this ep- to our podcast, please subscribe to it. Download our episodes. Share with a
1: friend. Leave tell, us a review. Yeah, tell a
0: friend about it. And if you want to be on here as a guest, if you have something interesting to talk about. Everybody does. Or if you don't, if you just want to come on here and shoot the shit about something that's true. totally random, you could do we'll that. We'll talk to you. We have a little form on our website. You can go fill that out. Um, it's like a contact form.
1: And since we're talking about this is not go a ahead. business, this is self-funded, if yeah. you want to donate to us, you know, oh, yeah. it's a button for that, too.
0: Have we ever got a donation? Nope. You fucking scoundrels. Donate to that shiznack. Come on, people. <laughs> you motherfuckers. You <laughs> don't listen and not donate Freeloading bastards. No, we love you. All right. Um, Yeah, please. um, We love you. Donate. All right. God, the first person to actually send us a donation, what am I going to do? We should.
1: Have a giant celebration in their name,
2: unless unless you have a nonprofit organization, you have to pay tax on that shit.
0: Yeah, Um, we'll dedicate. I'll dedicate an entire episode to you and bring you on as a special guest. The first donation we get. So if that's you, gauntlet has been (laughs) thrown down. Look at that. Um, Okay. All right. All right, people. All right. um, That's it, right? That's it. All right, everyone. Scott, do you want to say goodbye in whatever special way you like to say goodbye? Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you have a great evening. All right. Stomping Jen. Bye now. All right. I'm going to say the same thing Stomping Jen said because she stole my catchphrase. Bye now.
1: This world of ours, ever growing smaller must avoid becoming a community of dreadful fear and hate.
0: Those who have freedom will understand also its heavy responsibility. That all who are insensitive to the needs of others will learn charity, and that the sources, scourges, of poverty, disease, and ignorance will be made disappear
1: from the earth. And that in the goodness of time, all peoples will come to live together